Hello and welcome back to another episode of The Discourse. I am your host for now, Chad V, and I'm being joined as always by my panel of white crime experts. Hello. So today is a very special episode of The Discourse, but only because every episode of The Discourse is very special. How's everyone doing? How's everyone doing uh, post-violent insurrection? Not too shabby. Yeah, pretty good. Yeah, I'm doing pretty good at all things considering as well. I will say, I never realized how many random fucking, like procedural symbolic rituals our presidential election process had until like we've had it contested at every step yeah it's kind of like the mace from parliament it's weird yeah there are a lot of more procedural steps than i think a lot of people had noticed up until this point when as you mentioned they're being challenged at every step and the somewhat ironic part is that they were supposedly there to prevent somebody like trump from ever taking office in the first place well, I don't know about someone like Trump. They were definitely put in place to prevent somebody who would upset the system from taking control of office. But, you know, I don't think Trump has managed to do that quite in the way that some people felt like he would. And I mean, Adair called it. He said this is exactly what was going to happen. And it did. Um, it, it's I, the only shocking part to me. And, and we can discuss this a lot further because it's really going to be a pretty heavy topic is, you know, the the police reaction and i don't mean shocking in that like what they did i mean shocking in that there were so goddamn few of them we've been talked about it on here we've talked about it on the the mini news show that uh, richard and i have hosted the cops for the most part are white supremacists oh absolutely for me i think the cop angle of it is important because oftentimes we are forced by nature of how we're working uphill against propaganda against like you know neoliberal neoconservative hegemony to consistently hammer home messages and it can seem a little trite and annoying if you operate in that world but you know i think that the cops continue and they have been doing it since the blm uprising started this summer to demonstrate to people why they are not what they thought they were and by that i mean i think that what liberals have been forced to wake up to what you know and liberals i mean largely white liberals but also a few people of color who operate in liberal spaces who feel like their wealth insulate them from the racial elements of uh police brutality what people are waking up to is not just that police are you know their you know, specifically, right? Not they're not that they're there specifically to brutalize black people. That's just part of their job. Well, at the institutional level, they're there to protect capital and the status quo under the guise of middle class values. But at the interpersonal level, at the you know the personal rank level, a lot of them are just racist. And so, you know, that often translates to supporting things that would that you know on the surface look like they align with middle class americana values like freedom and justice or you know but you know when you put them in certain circumstances you see just how authoritarian their leanings are well i think uh, the point you make about why trump didn't get stopped by those procedural hurdles in the system it also is tied to why the police didn't stop the support trump supporters uh, and why they were so ill-prepared and that they weren't viewed as a threat to the system and that they were there in support of white supremacy, which is the underpinning theme of the the system. And so they weren't viewed as a threat. And I think the approach from the mayor also kind of reflects that approach to the protesters or the the terrorists or essentially the white supremacists is the main thing I want to focus on is because that's really what is the underpinning and tie in connection to all of this. And then also, I think what we're seeing 
as well as Trump peeling away another layer of America's mask, and for a lot of people at least anyway, in that this is what America is and what it always has been, and Trump is a quintessential is quintessentially American. But well, that's the funny thing. That entitlement, the idea that we can, or rather Americans or people within sort of centrist circles, that we can demand that people interpret America or analyze America not by its actions or its foundations or its history, but some kind of like ephemeral, true nature that exists within like the possibility of America, the shape of freedom or whatever it's just an, another example of the asymmetric burden or expectations that we place on people with power countries with power in the global north and the first world versus like people or countries without power whether that be people of color or just countries in the global in the global south no i was just gonna say like to back that up like the the problem i'm seeing like front and center because i i typically don't watch cnn or msnbc but like what was so apparent and blatant to me yesterday was that this this asymmetry was being propagandized across our airwaves I, I i had cnn on and msnbc on in my atmosphere yesterday and i was hearing some of the things that like very prominent people who are supposed to be at the pinnacle of their positions and and are achieved those through some merit and they're saying bullshit like like you just said like oh this is not america this is not who we are and having no historical understanding, like, you know, Joe Scarborough was going on about how the cops let them, the protesters in. And it's like, motherfucker, do you know who the cops are? Do you have any concept of who these or these organizations are, what they were created to do? And yet still today, those same news organizations are going with that line. They're towing that propaganda line. So you have to understand, like, yeah, there's asymmetry there, but it's purposeful. It's being paid for. And it has trillions of dollars behind it. Oh, absolutely. No, the propaganda, or rather the asymmetry, which is a form of propaganda, is, you know, it's absolutely strategic. And not only is there asymmetry in terms of like the expectations of the expectations of uh, Black Lives Matters protests versus the expectations of like stop the steal protesters or, you know, open up America protesters when the COVID-19 shit was going on before we kind of just gave up. The asymmetry and expectations of peacefulness, the asymmetry and expectations and judgment of like if you have one Black Lives Matters protest and one protester there yells at somebody who is not involved eating at a table, we, you know, people are expected to make some sort of large condemnation of that while, you know, the far right right is allowed to pillage the capital we had people who are carrying groceries being accused of antifa carrying cans of soup as terrorism and yesterday we had multiple bombs placed around the capital and no one's making that con jump i had to watch cnn yesterday too and cnn and the other sort of establishment or you know less far right aligned or amenable news sources they were perfectly capable or willing to call them terrorists you know willing to blame trump for his actions to a degree whether or not that blame is sufficient to actually lead to any kind of accountability except for the basic rank and file people who were like seen breaking into offices is unlikely and maybe like Trump. But ultimately, the ability for us to only hold the least powerful offenders or the offenders who can be finally carved out from the powerful sect of the population that they represent in order to punish them like that's also not sufficient to actually change things and from what i've seen the the largest uh, section that i've seen is the or the biggest reaction i've seen is the, them being bewildered by the police's reaction and then pushing for fruitless investigations into why the police acted that way when as you mentioned before darren i 
called this. It's like that the essentially these people were going to get riled up and then that the police, when called, were going to stand in between the protesters and the National Guard and have their backs towards the protesters. And like, and that's exactly what we saw. <laughs> and uh, it, I think uh, what a lot of people have been speculating is that this is a more or less a dry run and that this isn't the end of it. And so like, there's going to be more of this. And so the, the understanding why police acted the way they did and how they prepared the way they did, I think is important for people that are confused. And unfortunately, I don't think the corporate media is going to do them any service in informing them of how we got here. Are you sure? Because I know Joe Scarborough started his show this morning with like a montage of, you know, riot images with Sarah McLaughlin uh, when she loved me from Toy Story 2 playing over it just to really hammer home that this was a bad thing that was happening. That is the one thing. And I want to get a dare in here, too. But that is the one thing that I fucking noticed after watching like mainstream news while something was actually happening as opposed to them just like doing nonsense bullshit for hours all day like just how vapid and shallow and just completely incapable of providing useful analysis a lot of basic questions about like do you think trump has sufficiently dampened this mob's hatred for the government <laughs> with his yeah they cheated us but you guess we got to go home because they're a bunch of pussies tweet and it's just like no of course not you know, the whole media is very infantilizing, and that's partially why we got here. But I will say, you know, one good thing or one positive thing you can say about the coverage, and this is something to get right, and I wish they could hammer it home better, is that, like, you know, unfortunately, the police do not, not unfortunately, but the police don't treat black people or leftist protesters either this way. We know the police also broke up Occupy Wall Street to a degree that was way more violent than fucking they handled these protesters or rioters or Trump supporters. To- the water protectors for the pipeline. Anti-war protesters. Veterans coming home from Iraq uh, to protest. Like We know how they handle fucking people who want, like, even slightly leftist goals. The point I was trying to make is that, like, you know, it's not enough to hammer home how badly police treat black people. It's also, sadly enough, we have to hammer home the fact that they're just not there to help white people either. Like, they're also just not there to protect your everyday average white person or, like, what their real values are. At least you're white liberal. And so if you think that you have liberal values and that they're being protected by like America's police. That's just a result of projection and, you know, propaganda and, and our media's inability to actually lay out, lay bare what the police are really doing and what they're really for. But I know Adair has been waiting here for a while. So let's get his first thoughts on the riot. Adair, you are our senior white crime, senior white crime analyst, mainly because you're a fan of Philadelphia sports teams. <laughs> I'm not a fan of Philadelphia sports teams. Don't you ever. And I'm a Pittsburgh. I'm a Pittsburgh fan. I am not a fan of any Philadelphia team. Don't ever. I'm sorry. Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. I, I always get those confused. Sorry, <laughs> I'm going to say Adair is adding a level of nuance to the fucking discourse that we don't have. But really, it's just I, I'm not paying attention. So, Adair, you know, you're an expert on white riots from, you know, being a Pennsylvania sports expert. Please tell us what your for, your first <laughs> thoughts on this riot. I think a lot of people are treating this as if this is the culmination to everything Trump has ever talked about. It's all rooted in this one particular uh, political moment. But I think this is the beginning of a new normal. And I mean that not to say that we're going to see Congress, you know, uh, have a bunch of white people break windows 
and stuff and get everybody to evacuate there. Um, they are saying next time, you know, we're going to come back with guns. But I think the bigger story out of yesterday is what happened at the state level. There were several state uh, governors that had their the the their homes, the grounds were broken onto, uh, including Washington. I believe Virginia also had that happen. They did this earlier in the year in Michigan, right? So people were like, oh, well, Michigan was a dry run. It's like, I don't think Michigan was so much a, as a, a dry run as it was this is what we're going to start seeing from the political right because the the scope of what's acceptable in american politics when done by people that are on the right particularly uh people that are either self-identify as fascists or that we would identify as fascists based on their ideology this is going to be how they get what they want they recognize that yes we're a minority but also they're able to use the fact that they're white men fighting primarily white men fighting for white supremacy and that the cops really are on their side. They let them onto the Capitol uh, yesterday. I don't. I haven't heard of a single arrest for anybody that stormed any governor's mansion's ground. Uh, all of them were armed. So this is no longer this kind of uh, you know worst case scenario. This is going to be something that's fairly normal, particularly in states that have democratic governors um, and a a right that is going to continue going down this conspiracy theory hole. As you see with several QAnon, the supporters have now been are now in Congress, um, you know, so we're seeing America really fall. And when you see an empire fall, we're seeing this steady shift further and further and further and further and further to the right, to the point where now white liberals are losing their minds in part yesterday because they are surprised that the police didn't just stop everything right where it's at. And so they're starting to recognize that it's not about individual interactions with police. It's not about, you know, what the police are supposed to do in their minds and what they have done, which generally they fall on the right side of I have property, therefore I am protected. Uh, but really that police and the police state functions to serve white supremacy and imperialism and now that they're recognizing that it's not enough just to have property right but you also then now start to have to start pledging your allegiance to these different fascist groups otherwise they're not going to feel as safe so now they're really starting to think they're at a point where they can see that the institutions that they thought were there to protect them really exist to protect themselves, to protect the wealthy, and protect white supremacy. So that way, imperialism can continue until everybody's dead on the planet. It's not worth shit. No, I think as an important aspect that's also uh, kind of caught up in this is that I think there's absolutely right that this is uh, the beginnings of a new normal of how you, how what we can expect from a at least a faction of the right wing to be interacting with the political body in this type of way. And it's going to be continued to be emboldened by people like Trump, if not Trump himself. And one of the other things that I wanted to mention is just that it's the unfortunate reality is, like we saw with uh, the gun debate when it was uh, hotter uh, earlier in the year, last, or earlier last year, it will be used to justify an increased police state that won't be used to target the the protesters or the like the white supremacists that were storming the capital it'll be used to target the leftist uh, protesters and the ones that they've been cracking down on all this time and like also the other point of dare makes that I, I wanted to capture or touch on was that police protect whiteness in as much as it serves capital and capital in as much as it serves the neo-colonial imperialist agenda and so like People, liberals finding themselves outside of that definition of whiteness, as you mentioned, are, are recognizing uh, these things because the police aren't there to serve their or protect them. 
Yeah, and, and that's a key point that I wanted to back up and that I was waiting to jump in on was what you said is the response that's going to happen. And the the security state is going to increase. And much like we saw with the Patriot Act, it's it's not going to be used against the people who are perpetrating the crimes right now. It's going to be used against those who are a threat to capital and imperial. And one of the big ways is that we've been seeing or I've been seeing a lot of conversations that are happening in like quasi-liberal media spheres, like people who are on television and other places, talking about how all of this resentment and all of this uh, bile it has been created online. And so we're seeing a lot of conversations about a, a crackdown on online communication spaces, much like we've seen Facebook and um, Twitter and other places react by removing people. We're going to see a lot more of that, and it's going to, probably going to be codified into some sort of law. And as we've seen with these instances of online cracking down, currently it's all going to be targeted towards like the World Socialist website and other socialist and communist organizations before it will ever be put towards you know Ted Cruz, who is literally fundraising with uh, text messages about steal the vote at uh, hours after the Capitol building was stormed. He sent out a text message at like three or four o'clock in the afternoon while the people are kicking down doors and breaking into the thing. He's literally fundraising off of this. And so, you know, it won't be applied to people like that. It won't be applied to um, the the normal version of whatever is going to come out of this because it's going to be QAnon and it's or at least QAnon adjacent. It won't be applied to them. It will be applied to, you know, places like us. There is going to be basically no accountability, as I mentioned before, for what happened. You know, we have allowed for, like, the argument that, well, if you push too hard against the far right, it's going to make them more, you know, more attractive to people. So you can't call everyone fascist just because they're doing fascism and belonging to fascist movements and engaging in authoritarianism. And I think what we've seen is that that has not actually resulted in any, like, decrease in the number of these events. Things are just ramping up because the only other way to combat it would be to hold the actual leaders and not just the literal neo-Nazis, but people like Ted Cruz, people like not even Donald Trump, but people who benefited from Donald Trump's presidency and the rhetoric of stop the steal and inciting the, the mob and violence up until the point where things stopped being in the symbolic realm and rhetorical realm and fundraising realm. And then suddenly now there are consequences. They don't want to be involved. You know, they don't want to have anything to do with them because once it enters the realm of like there are actual real sanctions or there might be real sanctions, they back down. And I think that pr that's proof of concept that like what we're missing is people who are actively in the position of both authority and have the attention on them to be like, you know what, like this is just fascism. Like you can't, you can't just do this. Like you can't just do this. Not everyone who belongs to this movement is a fascist, but this is for sure a fascistic movement whose goals are authoritarian in design. And the presence of like confused people doesn't change that. And we have to be able to speak plainly to that. And the rest of the world sees it that way. Like the rest of the right. world. Yeah. It, they, this isn't it's they don't get the media sensationalism that we get for about this that tries to treat it and tries to infantilize them or any of that type of stuff. They get they they're seeing it and it's like, oh, this is not a democracy that looks like your democracy is dead over there is what I've heard from uh, several people uh, across the pond, if you will. I mean, our democracy is dead. Parts of Europe are not doing much better, but parts of Europe that are recognizing how shitty we are, they have different rules when it comes to this kind of like, you know, the kind of shit that you're just allowed to put out there. 
like I think that when we talked about the coup from the beginning, we were always very clear that like Trump and a handful of his like rejects do want to or are amenable to illegally or extrajudicially or, you know, whatever, taking over the United States of America. They just don't have the tool set for it. And so what we're going to end up with is a bunch of like individual, semi-organized, interpersonal acts of violence that won't result in an overthrow of the election, but again, might just result in people getting injured like yesterday. I mean, I think people are really trying to like nuance to poison their way of like, well, yesterday technically wasn't a coup. It was just a violent uprising. But that I think really ignores how many bad things could have happened yesterday without it ever being a coup. Like they could have just killed a bunch of senators and that still wouldn't have been a coup they could have kidnapped somebody wouldn't have been a coup it, because that's just not how america works but what we do have is a far right media landscape a theoretical legitimate media landscape that has no problem with laundering in far right talking points has no problem muddying the waters around the responsibility for whose job it is to tackle like misinformation right that have no problem with like offsetting that responsibility for figuring out what's up or like what's real and what's not onto their fucking readers or the population to that point they're like going to they're basically going to pitch this entire ordeal as uh trump pushing the idea that trump is going to or is the one experiencing the coup at least in the most far right wings of the media spheres that like that's essentially what it's going to be is that uh, especially if uh, if and when Democrats push for impeachment or push to push out a bunch of Republicans from Congress uh, and the Senate for supporting uh, what is essentially an insurrection and is what I believe they should do. But the that the laundering you're talking about, what they're going to basically make it out to be is that uh, this is a like a, an aggressive takeover of uh, Trump's righteous government, essentially. So I think one of the big things that not a lot of people really are talking about is how this looks on a more international scale. And I don't mean that how our other states, you know, around the world was uh, responding to it so much as how does it make America look and what is this going to do to American foreign policy in the future, right? <clears throat> and the reality of the situation is I think a lot of American America's vassal states yesterday to include Canada, to include the UK, right? Uh, places like this, I think a lot of those states really sat there and were like, shit, this is who we've decided to put ahead of our own needs, right? Like, it's becoming increasingly obvious, I think, to the rest of the world that, yes, America has a fuck ton of nukes. We're no longer a superpower. We're no longer who we used to be on the world stage. And I think that means that we're going to see an escalation in America's uh you know, in, in war from America, I think we're going to see escalated amount, escalated interventions in more countries to try to destabilize more regions, because even if America's fucking up, if the rest of the world is so fucked up, they can't compete with us, we still end up being a superpower, and I'm worried that that might be an American thought process there. And two, I also think that Joe Biden is a war hawk, and the last time that we had him uh, in the White House, albeit as the vice president, we destabilized Libya, we expanded all of our drone wars, and we set up the infrastructure for having concentration camps on the border. So I think that is another unique situation where we're really just hitting this perfect storm of a war hawkish, right-wing fascist president part, you know, what, 46, um, as well as America really, truly solidifying into a failed state. And this ever rightward push by the general American population, I think we're going to see more and more 
that America is going to, if not just destabilize the country, outright invade somewhere else. I wouldn't be surprised if we left Afghanistan or, you know, and only to invade Venezuela three months later. But I also wouldn't be surprised to see escalating uh, tensions and escalating rhetoric, if not actions, with Iran. Nor would I be surprised to see the U.S. ratchet things up even further with China in, a, in an attempt to reestablish America as number one even though it's clearly not. So uh, just to back up like what Adair was saying, like I, I wouldn't be surprised if we would do something drastic with Iran or Venezuela, but the one thing that's definitely going to happen is we're going to ramp up tensions with China and we're going to try and enact some sort of new version of the TPP and we're going to basically try and make it a military contest um, much like we did with the USSR during the Cold War in order to try to, quote unquote, bankrupt China. The problem is, is that we can't compete at that level with China, whereas we could have, you know, economically bankrupt Russia in an in arms race. Um, but it's not going to matter because the people who are going to be pushing for that are going to benefit every step of the way from an increased Cold War. Um, we, we've seen the war on terror profiters making a shit ton of money. And now with the war on terror ramping down in the American mindset, uh, they need a new enemy. And China is definitely going to be the one that they push for because they're going to see large scale spending projects like the boondoggle of Star Wars, uh, nuclear renovations for the to the tune of three trillion dollars, things along those lines where there's just going to be a lot of money to be made. And the same people that are making the decisions uh, to like push this in media to push this in um, Congress to push this everywhere are the ones who are going to be making the money. So there's just an incentive structure already baked in for us to ramp things up and create a new Cold War with China. Uh, to add to that, the pundits are worried that Trump's going to start a nuclear war. Like, why does he even have the codes in the first place? But going, but uh, pundits were worried that Trump's going to start a nuclear war and that the military is going to be called in to support his coup so that when Biden ramps up and escalates tensions with China and tells cops to shoot people in the leg, it's less bad than Trump and it passes the bar that we've all been expected to meet. Well, absolutely. And I mean, I think that that's an important point to make. Because I think even prior to the events of yesterday, during them too, we still have the incoming Biden presidency, which is continuing to staff itself with just like awful, awful people. Like my fucking governor. And so, you know, I don't think that what Trump is doing is a distraction. I think it's entirely parallel to Biden's own awfulness if they are all, you know, rooted in the same serious like issues that we have with our government. But like at the end of the day, branding Biden as the not Trump candidate, you know, as opposed to actually being any real metric or litmus test for like his real policies, it more or less just becomes a, a self-fulfilling prophecy. The people who bought into that messaging are just going to pretend or logic poison themselves into thinking that anything that he does is just different from Trump in some way. So we saw aspects of this when we were talking about or rather when people were first bringing up the kids in cages thing and that Biden's that Biden was involved with that intimately and Obama administration. And then, you know, people have an endless list of reasons why that's just different. And then you come to realize that the whole Biden's going to be the anti-Trump or Democrats and Republicans are different, at least to a certain extent, is people just really interpreting things differently. To your other point, I would just say, you know, the war with Iran, war with China, ramping up surveillance in 
shit against leftists or members of the media who don't say what they like. Yeah, that's totally on the horizon, and we can definitely see how the events of yesterday are going to be turned into a justification for all those things. But I think it's important to also hammer home that those are just justifications because they wanted to do this stuff anyway. They've always the one to, wanted to go with war with Iran. They China is a threat to American hegemony overseas, and they don't want that either. They still want a neoconservative world, unipolar power world since cold the cold war and so for the most part any excuse people point to about what's going to lead to like government ramping something up or doing something else i feel is just like yeah but they're going to do that anyway they're just looking for a reason and if they don't get one they'll manufacture one which is important to divorce from like the actual impact of what happened yesterday well, I think what's important also is that it, centrists love the idea of order. And so, like, the what it does is, for instance, like, the Trump's, the actions of Trump and the disorder and the chaos at the Capitol give support from centrists, both left and right-leaning centrists, to support increasing the police state. Whether they're going to try to do it or not, I, th- I agree, is, is relatively unaffected. What these things do, what these events capture or what they help usher in is the support from the populace for these things, essentially bringing on our own oppressions uh, to a degree. Right. And that's the trillion dollar backed atmosphere I was talking about on the news that I saw yesterday. Left and right was just, you know, hey, we need more cops. Wait, why do we need more cops? And we just saw a much larger uprising throughout D.C. just massively put down and shot at and brutalized by the cops that are already in existence. We don't need more cops. We need we just need them not to be white supremacist clan members. But that's not going to happen because the institution itself is based on that. So it's like, okay, well, what do we need instead? But that gets to defund the police. And then you have the supposed centrist liberals saying that that's what costs them elections. So it's it's a cycle that feeds in on it. I mean, we know that the Klan and far-right organizations have infiltrated the police. You know what? I'm, I'm actually thinking more along the lines of not using the word infiltrated because it's not a matter of infiltration if they were already there. No, I'm sure the the cops have definitely infiltrated the KKK. <laughs> That's why you had the protesters who were like fucking erecting that huge cross to burn outside the Capitol, because that was their way of signaling allegiance to the cop in a shared language. You know, burning crosses is like smoke signals to like cops. That's, that's their way of communicating. Catnip. <laughs> There was a little bit of heated tension between the white nationalists on the protester side and the white nationalists on the cop side. So, like, nothing calms the tension like burning a cross, you know, erecting a big lowercase T (laughs) for our our, uh, low test president. But I agree with what Richard was saying. And we are talking about justifications for increasing, you know, increasingly engaging in the American project, which is why I think it's important not to allow people to disguise what happened yesterday as being anything other than another thing in a a long series of events that are totally in line with the way America behaves. Because even today, I think as we've been recording, Trump just dropped a new video that is in line with a lot of the quote-unquote reactions or mea culpas or performatively being aghast at what happened by people who are literally trying to subvert democracy in the Capitol via the procedural process that was going on and also inciting the people outside via their platforms as well for material gain and political gain. They're now allowed by nature of like the protest going 
too far to performatively distance themselves and go like, oh, I cannot believe that the thing I was advocating for happened. We're just supposed to be allowed to say this shit for money. We're just supposed to be allowed to say this shit to appeal to the worst natures in our society. And if neo-Nazis piggyback on that, then that's just the problem of the people who fall or become victims to neo-Nazi, either as they're like direct targets or their recruitment targets. We know that the weakest people, they've been arrested already, are going to be targeted. People, you know, a woman was killed. But we know that the people who make their money, make their like livelihood by peddling this stuff. And not, again, not just the neo-Nazis, but the people who like, like the Koch brothers who make money, who may or may not be explicitly racist, but they sure as fuck make money off of like the, the ability to divide the working class through racism are allowed to just go about their day. Ted Cruz is allowed to go about his day afterwards. They're allowed to like have their little come to Jesus moment or distance themselves because they just wanted the constitution and people fall for it. So, you know, it's not enough to just say that the carceral system is not sufficient to tackle or for the job of anti-racism, not only because it's filled with fucking white nationalists, but also just because of it's not what it's designed to do and it has no interest in that. We also have to pinpoint that where this breakdown is occurring is that these people, these hate mongers are allowed to exist in our media space with no real, I hate to say it, scarlet letter that defines them for what they are. Yeah. I mean, Howley's just walking around. Cruz is just walking around. They they've drafted articles of impeachment or Ilan Omar has and Nancy Pelosi has said that she'll support it in the House. But like it's not going to happen even with the Democratic controlled Senate. I mean, like I talked about, we're going to see larger and larger portions of the populace. that are disaffected by the lack of action from anyone who's supposed to be on the left, like any type of pushback or any effort to hold any of these people accountable. And we're going to see a larger portion that's going to become disaffected with them. But that's the portion of the population that's going to see the brunt of this oppression, these new oppressive tactics, more so than the right wingers or the fascists that are actively pushing this kind of shit. Because like we said, fascists side with capital. So anyone who's saying, hey, look, we need to do any type of redistribution because obviously the seeds of fascism are tied to quote unquote economic anxiety. But, you know, uh, that is a pathway through which this stuff travels are going to be put down. And the people who are saying, no, 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 we need to have like more Christian churches or or the people who are pushing for more Howleys or Housleys or more Trump uh, cruises, they're going to have ample opportunity to do so. And it's just it's going to be fucking mind numbing. And it's going to be the problem I'm seeing is that it's just so blatant and they say like they treat everyone like they can't see it like nobody can understand what's happening except for these people who have reached the upper echelons of our society through some meritocratic gain um but like it's quite obvious and no one's willing to address it because it upsets the balance of power apparently josh hawley's uh fucking book was canceled as a result of his role in inciting this mob and personally trying to theoretically overthrow our election results because that's the rub of this whole thing right the people i think i have i'm frustrated with who are rightly saying okay yeah you know people there they come from mixed backgrounds maybe some are poor maybe some are rich whatever but like punishing them specifically at least the ones who aren't i guess literal neo-nazis who were trying to plant bombs are confronted with someone like josh hawley saying like they canceled my book just because i incited the weakest members of this group to do something bad and they also feel the need to defend josh hawley and then we get trapped in to this like little narrow band of dealing with the far right or the far right's propaganda where you can't actually affect their leadership or their promoter classes material concerns because they're able to put forth the or incredibly shallow argument 
aimed at the ideals of liberals around quote-unquote free speech or diversity or inclusivity in the specific material concerns and social class concerns of the media class who will look at the weakest members and say well maybe they should be punished maybe they shouldn't who knows case-by-case basis but who will look at members of that promoter class depending on how well entrenched they are within the normal media apparatus and go like well certainly those people shouldn't be punished right because they see themselves yeah, maybe Trump should be punished if he doesn't apologize appropriately. Maybe, maybe not. Like the people, the Q people who were there should be punished. Maybe, maybe not. But certainly the promoter class should not. The people who are able to just say like, yeah, maybe we should arrest a few proud boys. But the people who platform them, the outlets where they are allowed to launder their far right shit into because like they're largely staffed by liberals who have a voyeuristic element of affection for them if not like fascists themselves who knows right dealing with that element of this becomes so cagey because we exist in a media adjacent space so like if you ever target the media start to like clutch their pearls we're beset on all sides by an inability to hold any level of this pyramid accountable other than with like stern words which is all joe biden really had for people yesterday too uh, you know a uh, harsh tone and stern words and a bunch of loosely connected independent clauses Here's kind of where I'm coming from with what I'm seeing and how I'm seeing America moving forward. The reality of the situation is there's not going to be any real punishment for anybody involved simply for the fact that everybody in power actually wants what they're trying to achieve. That is, they want to maintain this white male patriarchy that we currently live under. That's what they're that's what those people that were at the Capitol were fighting for. They feel that they're losing their grip. And I'm speaking specifically on these people, right? Because it's absolutely able to be, you're absolutely able to be tempted into fascism by having economic anxiety. Sure, I'm not arguing that point. But what I am arguing here is that the particular people that we saw were fighting for a very specific ideal that has become, that has become the norm. It was the norm under George W. Bush. He just said it, you know, he said it differently, right? It was the norm under Bill Clinton. But Bill Clinton said it differently. So Norm under Reagan. Right. We've been seeing this steady move towards being more open about these things, combined with the fact that America is actively failing the vast majority of its citizens. And so people are looking for someone to blame, right? However, the Joe Bidens of the world who are just gonna be like, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to be this upset fatherly figure. That's just to keep liberals in line. And let's be honest with you, liberals really don't have a problem with fascists as long as they're polite. As long as these fascists aren't actively going out and doing something like this all of the time, liberals really don't have a problem with it. You see it from Joe Biden saying that I want to build bridges and work across the aisle and his, you know, very well-known friendship with what Trump Thurman, that's just an old ass nigga name. Uh, but I digress. Anyways, we see people like that there to keep liberals in line because then liberals feel like, okay, well, you know, even if they're acting wild, you know, boys will be boys and the right will be the right. But we have people on the, we have Democrats that really care. But really, it's it's just they're there to act as a performative foil for what's going on to give cover for the fact that this is becoming pressure release valve standard. Exactly. And it keeps it really it keeps white suburban people feeling comfortable that they're isolated in their little liberal havens and the rest of the world can go to hell around them. But as long as they're okay and they're safe, that's all that matters. And you see that sentiment. to be honest, the people that are here that, that were that were attacking the Capitol, they don't really care that somebody's a liberal. They might think you're stupid, but as long as you're willing to disavow being an anti-fascist, as long as you're willing to disavow black people, as long as you're willing to disavow whoever you have to disavow, 
and you're gonna be fine. And we know liberals are spineless and will do that in a heartbeat. So I don't see any punishment happening and I don't see anything really changing. I just see Dems and liberals as a whole giving more and more cover for this continued expansion of what I think our new normal is. You don't see multiple insurrections in multiple states and the Capitol at the same, you know, at the same time, essentially on the same day without this being either extraordinarily well planned or being normalized and becoming your normal. We allow the far right media to recruit or to exist under this veil of like semi-legitimacy as long as they just say the right words. At least we did for a while. Oh, you're going to stop me from uh, giving a speech about how black people are genetically inferior on college campuses just because that's fascistic. For a while, it was acceptable to be like, well, you know, no, because that's just going to turn people towards Nazism. And in reality, that was always just a lie being promoted by Nazis that was to make sure that they were allowed to propagandize the people to exist in spaces like QAnon, to exist in spaces that are more focused on non-political issues like video games or whatever, to recruit, to recruit disaffected people who are dealing with, like John said, the widespread alienation that we're all facing. And the only time we're allowed to talk about that, or rather the consequences of that, are once things have gone too far and the people who have used the far right or their associated with the far right to like grift their way to higher levels of respectability to just go like, well, can you blame me if they take what I say seriously? Can you blame me if I go through the process of checking all the boxes to ensure that I'm not legally culpable for this, for inciting violence? And part of that is like, yeah, you know, we at the informal level have to be more comfortable with informally giving sanctions to people who are navigating these spaces. And so you, I think people are right to acknowledge that carceral system is not a way to solve the problem people like ezra klein who are acknowledging that and who is also fucking like help mainstreaming people like paul ryan who were part of the tea party what the fuck am i supposed to take from that well you didn't catch trump saying the exact words do a violent riot can't do anything we're all being held i think going back to the asymmetry of expectation you know when we're dealing with the far right or people with power we expect people informally to adhere to like a completely unreasonable semi-legal standard of like well you just have to have exact proof before you call this fascistic movement full of people with neo-nazis tattooed a fascist movement but that's then people just think it's a free speech mark and right. then by the time they realize it's a fascist movement they've already been 10 layers of security deep in the fucking capitol building and they're being beset on all sides by swat team and that's going to radicalize them it's not going to be the people who call them a fascist online or who whatever who radicalize them it's going to be when they get to that like rally and they have been part of that fascist march and now they find themselves just swept up in that moment where it's going to really radicalize a few of them some of them are going to drop off like we saw in charlottesville but some of them are going to be sufficiently extricated from their own social environments by that point that like they can't go back the idea that we're going to force people further by accurately identifying at the core of these movements that there exists fascists and like that that core are the people who are driving it is not being supported Despite the propaganda that says that BLM is supported by Democrats, you know, like like that there's this huge movement for black lives in the Democratic Party, which just does not fucking exist. No, well, Democrats have to run from that. Democrats have to run from the BLM breaks one ball in the street. Democrats have to run and say the police should just be allowed to shoot them in the streets. The far right does this. And, you know, we have to have a whole conversation about like respectability because, you know, we don't want to be too mean to them. You don't want to call them name. Yeah. Well, and part of the reasons why they're so desperate to preserve the Republican Party and Biden has been especially guilty of this is because the Democratic Party just doesn't make any damn sense without them.
Like the Democratic Party doesn't make sense as a political entity without the Republican Party constantly, you know, putting us on the precipice of disaster. If you actually had a functional alternative party, even if they were right wing, then the Democratic Party stops making sense and the centrist Democrats move to that party and the people that are actually of the left find a, develop a new party. The Democratic-Republican two-party system only makes sense within the context of each other. Yeah, and the Democratic Party is encouraged by that system to allow the government, the, rather, to allow the Republicans to get to this point. Yeah, and rewarded, financially rewarded. Yeah, rewarded. I mean, they're going to fundraise off this too. Like, I mean, I think that's the thing, right? The fact that Democrats, the Republicans or whatever are going to fundraise and make money off this does not change the fact that they were kind of in some real danger. Just like when Trump was giving them COVID-19, they could have died. They most likely weren't going to, you know, but it could have happened. That's where it becomes a little bit distressing because, like, they cannot even protect themselves. And trying to pretend or assume that people have, like, that these governments or that the government or that these politicians have so much more control over the scenario than they demonstrated yesterday is doing them and ourselves a disservice. No one could snap their fingers yesterday and make it go away. Right. And whether or not it actually ended with a legitimate or illegitimate overthrow of power, you know, it certainly could have ended in like a bunch of people dying or a bomb going off. But in the short term, it's just a recruiting tool. You know, letting things get to this point where like people end up at a march. They really just aren't too sure what's going on because they've been propagandized to and the, the waters have been muddied about what constitutes fascism and authoritarianism. And like, what's this march for? Is it really democracy? And it's a frustrating thing to talk about because when you talk about like how we get to this point, you're beset on all sides, I think, by people who are telling you why you can't hold each layer of this at all accountable. Like people were complaining that Donald Trump called a two week ban on Facebook for this. You know, this conversation about cancel culture, this conversation about like people being censored online would be a lot more meaningful and interesting if we could at least sort of extricate the people out from the conversation who by nature of their very specific job have to have positive engagement. And they're not talking about, you know, freedom of speech. They're talking about freedom from criticism. Indeed. I guess just to some of your previous points, and also you mentioned the video that Trump put out since I guess now he's been lifted his temporary restrictions on Twitter. Uh, I guess it's weird because some people, some outlets are labeling it a concession speech. Uh, I guess he doesn't actually concede. He makes mention of a, a transition to power or to a new administration, but doesn't say anything about Biden. He also uh, mentioned the what happened yesterday and described it as the people that came in as infiltrating the the building and that they defiled it. But at the same time, and we also saw the tweet yesterday about basically, you know, that he loves these people. And so uh, I think we're seeing some of the doublespeak and then also seeing Trump being uh, like they're trying. He's saying the things that liberals need him to say in order to let him off without being without any accountability essentially but also still leaving open the door for who knows what now we're at the stage where we see now whether's trump's call like him saying these things about the the people that were there and taking this tone whether that is how that's received and looking briefly through kind of sort of maga twitter uh, a little bit most of them are saying he's not conceding and or some variation of that. And so I, I don't know whether the people that were at the cap at the Capitol yesterday or the other day, by the time this gets recorded or released, 
will are going to hear that in the way like they might just hear the love message as we've seen before of where Trump says two diff- two opposing things and his supporters hear one thing and the liberals hear another and we go on, along as uh, and both just go on believing or thinking whatever they want to but we couldn't even navigate more numerality when it comes to blatant abject corruption. I mean, like we see these same people are making got oodles and oodles of money from corporations that they're supposed to regulate. And when they get like, you know, Jim Clyburn, like millions of dollars from pharmaceutical and healthcare industries to stand in the way of Medicare for all, that connection is never made because they can't know whether Jim Clyburn really did that or whether or not that's a bribe. It's the same thing with like, oh, is Trump a racist? Well, we can't know Trump's mind, so we're not going to call him racist of course he's a fucking racist and of course these people who are taking gobs of money from oil industries are standing in the way of a green energy climate like a green energy movement like these are things that we're just not allowed to say in our media for these same um these same reasons that you're outlining right now it's just now we we have a blatant example of a rise of fascism and they're treating it as if like they did for everything before it so I did want to touch briefly because we had the Georgia election, uh, the Georgia Senate runoff oh election. Oh, my God. Before we had the violent insurrection, uh, Star Trek Five, uh, whatever. I did not care. I didn't watch because for me, I mean, if the Democrats win, best case scenario, they do what they say, which they, they never do. <laughs> you know, OK, I guess that's like literally unrealistic case scenario best case scenario like they do what we always say they they put themselves in a position of power to fuck up and that just radicalizes more people right and, and what's going to be amazing is you know we've already seen it with the the pundit class making some sort of excuses as to why warnock and Ossoff both won and they're trying to blame like everything but the fact that for once the democrats were actually running on giving a material need like almost all of their ads were like hey we'll give you two thousand dollars if you vote for us And like Mitch McConnell and the Republicans are standing in the way of it. We'll give it to you. And what's going to happen is they're not going to do that. And it's going to be quite obvious because, you know, not just the fact that they don't want to, but how do you get around Manchin? They're not going to do it. And it's going to, like you said, it's going to radicalize a large portion of the population, especially in Georgia, who's been extremely active in turning that state blue, both for the Senate races and for the presidential race. And then to see nothing from it, like I I guarantee you, Ossoff is not going to vote for that and give some sort of weird reason for it. I think where you're right is that this is one of the first times where like, A, what they were promising was directly tied to something people could conceptualize and like, you know, very simple money extra $14 in my pocket. I need that. It's a pandemic. I could use some cash. PS5 is out. Fuck. Yeah, let's go. And the cost of disappointing people on that is something I think that they haven't necessarily fucking accounted for, except for, again, in the presence of more Trump-like figures where it won't matter, where there'll always just be another more terrible Republican to be weighed against. And that's just going to be like the justification for voting for them. And if a terrible Republican happens to win or when they do win inevitably because people just don't show up for Democrats, the consequences of that will be devastating and the burden will be foisted upon the fucking like people who voted, didn't vote, starved to death, that weren't able to vote, uh, gerrymandered out of their proper districts, live in the South. So who knows what's going on down there? But for right now, everyone is happy. Democrats are happy to be that they won Georgia. I'm happy to let them win. Right. I see myself as outside of that system, if not outside of if not unimpacted by the consequences of what happens in it. But let them be happy for me. Their happiness now, if they get their way and everyone gets two thousand dollars, I'm fucking happy. I want my fucking money. If things go the way they always do and they get disappointed. All I would hope is that they continue to be paying attention and like don't just go like, well, I guess it's my fault. 
Yeah, well, that's exactly what, you know, the trillion dollar uh, media apparatus is going to push for. I mean, the propaganda apparatus is going to be in full effect and we're already seeing it. Like I said, you know, much like the the post-election failure of the down ballot races was immediately blamed on BLM and defund the police. Uh, we're going to see other things being blamed on on them. And, then, and we're going to see the failure of the Democrats to actually achieve anything being blamed on those rather than the institution of the Democratic Party being completely sclerotic and not actively involved in wielding power or doing anything because that completely corrodes their ability to make money. It's going to be blamed on Stacey Abrams. Yeah. They're already like setting Stacey Abrams up to like take the fall, in my opinion, for like the shit they're going to do. Oh, you think they're going to try and make her do like a heel turn? Oh, no, but not fucking no. Like really, it's not like a Donna Brazil shit. Oh, okay. It really is just a situation where it's like everyone is going full magical Negro for Stacey Abrams for some reason. Um despite the whole mike bloomberg money thing just forgetting how joe biden fucked her over when it was time to pick vice president on live television yeah. that was a top 10 moment uh to pick kamala martha king jr harris <laughs> yeah we have to talk about that next we'll talk about that some other time All honestly right. because kamala harris is gonna lie again and it just feels a little bit you know we need a little bit more time to unpack the layers of kamala harris i think she's being infiltrated by the joe biden brainworm. like the the joe biden borg is taking over so now she's just telling lies like the borg i'm not uh jennifer lopez in the 2000 movie the cell so i'm unable to go in people's minds and determine what's wrong with them but and you know probably Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, it was also the deadliest day from COVID with over 4,000 deaths reported on the 6th. Jesus Christ. That's the other thing. I was watching the insurrection and all I could think was, this is a super spreader. Not one of those fuckers were wearing masks. <laughs> that was the first thing I thought because I wasn't concerned that it was going to like lead to the election being overthrown. I was like, they might just kill a bunch of people because someone might start shooting. And also, this is for sure a super spreader event. Yeah, it was, uh, yeah, definitely. But yeah, 4,100 reported. Uh, that's partially as a result of backlogs, but there's not, it's uh, not unlikely that there will be another spike day coming up in the next week or so. Well, I think that's enough for today. I think you know, my pulse is still racing from what happened uh, yesterday. That's why I have to decompress by watching the 2003 hit movie uh, SWAT starring Colin Farrell, Samuel L. Jackson, and L.O. Cool J. I want to say thank you to all our listeners. The discourse is only made possible by viewers like you. And we depend on your support to keep us in, I'm going to be honest with you, money for uh, debauchery. So please, if you are able to in these trying times, go over to the Patreon, become a patron where you can unlock a lot of episodes, a lot of, a lot of uh, you know, bonus material there.